Um, we are here with a person I've just been really working to try to um, to try to connect with for a while. And I will actually say that most of this is on me for not always being in touch and that kind of thing. Um, but Mariano Lucero is a public schools teacher in Denver and the founder of In La Quiche, this amazing arts program in Southwest Denver. Mariana, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. And I'm so happy to talk about my experiences as a teacher for DPS and also the founder and executive director of In La Cache Denver Arts. Yes, it's such an amazing thing. And just before we jump into the questions, like I look around and, you know, so I grad, I like to uh, laugh with my students and tell them, yeah, I was in high school a long time ago. I graduated in the mid 90s. And they're like, whoa, it's like a different century. And it really was. But one thing I noticed throughout my education, I think I got bit by the theater bug and uh, kind of the creative bug um, around seventh grade. And um, and then I came to realize that there just weren't a lot of arts programs available to me. Like I did summer theater one year, but then that dried up. And then the Denver School of the Arts was established um, one year after I would have been eligible to go there. And so I sat there watching younger kids get these opportunities. And so when I've been doing this research on um, on In La Quiche, um, it's like one of those things where I'm like, that is something that I would have absolutely, I would have taken three buses to get over there. Like I would have been into it. So I just want to acknowledge you for starting such a wonderful program, but let, let's go ahead and uh, start at the beginning a little bit. Um, so why did you make the choice to become a teacher? Like as, as a Chicano, I see other like Raza folks who, you know, are like the real thing, like coming from the neighborhoods and coming from the community, becoming teachers. It's all, it always makes me really curious because it's a profession that isn't always super welcoming to us. So what was it that um, that motivated you to make the choice to become a teacher? What in your background, upbringing, past experiences, et cetera, uh, kind of impacted your path to where you are? Sure, so I became involved in theater in high school. And what's interesting is that it wasn't by choice. Actually, I was thrown into theater because they had ran out of space in another class that I wanted to join. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> and I was pretty bitter about it, actually. I yeah. tried to fight it. I was like, no, I don't want to do this. I want to, I, and I can't even remember what that other class was, which goes to show you, you know. <laughs> yeah, with the impact. <laughs> at the end of the day, it really didn't matter. Uh, yeah, um, and so I started to do theater in ninth grade and I did not like it. Uh, I had a teacher who was just like really pushing me to participate and I fought her hard. Wow. Um, and I do have to credit her because her name is Miss Compton. And okay. if, it, if it wasn't for her, you know, really pushing me and seeing something in me, I wouldn't have, have pursued it the way that what, I did. What were some of the ways that she pushed you? Um... She called me on my stuff. She oh, really all yeah. right. And, and the reason and the reasoning behind that was because I fought her so hard on it and I would like give her attitude about it. You know, I don't want to participate. I don't want to be here. This isn't the class that I wanted, you know, to, to choose. None of my friends are in here. I just felt really much. I felt like an outsider. Yeah. And um, and she said, you know, I can see that you're scared and like you're afraid and you're letting that um, guide your choices instead of like the potential that you have. Wow. And so you either choose to do the assignment and you get, you know, your credit for it or you don't yeah. and you fail. And she's yeah. like, but I know that you're afraid. And that was something that I was just like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was wondering I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking about like how I've known yeah. you and how I've seen you interact. I'm like, oh, don't tell Mariana. She's scared. <laughs> <laughs> so she said, uh, you know, you're afraid. And I, that was like the thing that got in my brain. And I said, oh, I'm going to show her. I went home and uh, this was, you know, back in the day when like you really had to research to find monologues. Yeah. And so I found a monologue that came from the Adams Family Values. <laughs> nice. and, yes. And it, and I memorized it. I mean, I really, I worked hard on it. I worked hard on mannerisms, on everything that I needed wow. to do. And when I presented it in front of class, um, it was more of like, I want to prove Compton wrong yeah. than anything. And it yeah. ended up turning into something completely different because wow. after I was finished performing, the class was like quiet. And then they started clapping like, oh my, that was so wow. good. Wow. And, and then right after that, she said, I knew that you had that in you. And I am starting a production class now um, where students have to audition to get in and y'all will be putting on the productions at our school. Consider this wow. your... Um, you know, your way in. 
Wow. So I became a part of the production class and I've been a part of it ever since. Wow. Um, what, how yeah. incredible. That's amazing. Uh, I sound like you were going to say something else. Go ahead. Yeah. Well then, uh, so after that, I, I went, I graduated, I went to UC Denver to get my um, bachelor's in theater, film and television. Yep. And I had the unique opportunity to go live in Silverton, Colorado for the summer okay. um, and to teach a theater camp out there. Wow. I, no teaching experience. I mean, wow. theater, I'd done theater, you know, yeah, and this yeah. was also, I had also um, started becoming more involved in community theater. Okay. So I became a, an actor for Su Teatro also. Wow. Um, and yeah, I heard of them. <laughs> yeah. And I went there, they played a huge part in like my identity and everything that I am and why I do what I do. But um, I went there and we were teaching our camp and we were recruiting kids. And I noticed that there were a lot of, you know, there were a lot of Mexican families there, right. but none of those kids were in the camp. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, why aren't they in the camp? And yeah. the, the director at the time who uh, was Molly McFiddler, um, uh, she, she said, well, we've never had anyone, you know, who can communicate with that community. Oh, you wow. know, would you like to do that? Cause you're bilingual. And so I was uh, like, yeah. And I did, <laughs> I was able to recruit like five kids um, and all of the, the work that, that we did at the camp, I, um, excuse me, <clears throat> I translated into to Spanish. So we created, wow. you know, an opportunity for them to become involved and also be able to, um, to participate while using, you know, their native language, which is Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. And they performed in, in the show also. Wow. They what were a part of the camp the entire time. What show did you do? Uh, we did The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I'm so glad you mentioned that because there is a question of representation in theater, particularly in high school theater. Um, and I, I would love to dig into that in a, in a later segment and just kind of uh, talk a little bit about that. Um, as you kind of discuss your experience in Silverton, looking at these Mexicano kids and, uh, you know, wondering why they're not a part of it. I remember like, so I, I grew up in Five Points and I remember doing high school theater um and being the only brown kid doing high school theater and I'm half white so I'm like I'm like not even a full brown kid right <laughs> and um and just remembering like I would I would take the plays that we were reading in drama class and I would just like I would write how I would cast it if I could get my homies to be in a show right and so I'd be like oh oh I want I would want Travis to play this character I want Curtis to play this character I want Anthony to play this character and um and it sounds like kind of the stuff that just formulated in my head, you actually put to work. You actually said, no, nah, let's get these kids on stage and let's find a way to do it. That's it. That's an amazing story. Um, yeah. And just, you know, as somebody who fell in love with the arts, um, particularly theater and writing and, you know, directing and that kind of thing as a high schooler. And then I just got scared and said, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do this. You know, did you? Did you get any kind of pushback from family when you're kind of like, yeah, I'm going to be a theater, television, and film major? Um, did, how did your family members react to that? I'm seeing your reaction. I'm thinking there was one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, my mom, my mom was originally born in Canatlan, Durango, Mexico. Okay. And so when she came to the States, she was like 30 years old. Yeah. I'm 32 now. Okay. So you know, that goes to show like the length of time and also how much um, I've been able to accomplish because of her, because yeah. of having her as, as an inspiration and someone who really pushed me because right. when she came here to the States, she didn't know the language, yeah. you know, she, she was also um, very resourceful though. She, my mom loves rompecabezas. My mom yeah. loves puzzles. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that's also how my mom works. Um, yeah. she, she wants to find out how, how to gain resources and she does yeah. that by doing her research so she's like i may be here in a space where i you know i don't know what's happening and what's going on but i'm gonna figure it out yeah and she instilled that in me but when i when i started to show an interest in the arts i think she thought it was more of a hobby so when i told her <laughs> I, you know i was like mom i wanna i wanna go i wanna be involved in theater i wanna be an actor oh my gosh she was like <laughs> but why <laughs> she, I wanted you to be a lawyer you yeah. know like she really she wanted these big awesome dreams for me but um and I feel that she wanted these these dreams specifically because you know she she grew up in Canatlan in yeah. poverty and you know coming to a place which is like 
you know, the land of opportunity. Yep. And I'm over here wanting to be an actor, which is not something to her wow. that is secure. Yeah. That I could earn a living and, you know, really like pursue something. Yeah. Um, and I know that it, it was hard for her. I still feel like, you know, she saw my future going in a completely different way, but yeah. Um, now seeing all the things that I'm doing and, and her seeing, you know, like in the cash in the works and she was able to help out at our summer camp. Yeah. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah, she did. So she, she's really seeing now, like where this has taken me. She's like, Oh, I get it. No, it's interesting. <laughs> you know, my dad, uh, my dad's from Mexico city. Um, he was born in Ciudad Nezahualcoyotl, which is, uh, you know, it's one of the really impoverished areas. Like it started off, he used to tell me stories about how their little uh, sort of barrio started off as uh, as like a bunch of little shacks on the side of the road. And it eventually grew to like 4 million people. So it's like, and you know, the movie Roma, like there's there's scenes from where my dad grew up um in that area and you know when when our parents come from poverty when they come from that kind of struggle and my dad only had a sixth grade only has a sixth grade education um when they see opportunities for us like there's a very clear reason they come here um and it's and it's for their children it's for the next generation and uh so that that must have been really now my dad's still extremely confused by what i do um i think um i think my getting recognition as a teacher sort of makes sense to him but like very little that I've done over the years has like made a ton of sense to him um that's 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 pretty amazing so so you have been a teacher for a few years and you made this decision to create in La Keche. and so we're going to kind of get in depth a little bit in the second segment about sort of where you sort of like how how you started building that and you can talk a little bit about moonshot and uh and the other ways that you kind of did this but can you explain the concept of in lakesh to our listeners who may be a little bit less familiar how does that ethos guide you in your work and in your life yeah so when i learned about in lakesh i actually learned about it at the teatro um, we were going to begin a show and we had gotten like a contract and right at the very top of the contract was the poem of In La Keche. Um, and it's pretty much like our promise to one another of how we enter the space and how we wow. respect the space and respect one another. Wow. Um, and that's how we engage in the work and how we engage in that work with our community. Yeah. And so it's that understanding that we are extensions of one another and that when we learn to love and respect each other, we also show the world that we love and respect ourselves. Yeah. And thinking about thinking about that um, was something that was really important to me and that really guided me like my, with my work with my students. So I've been teaching for eight years at the same school yeah. um, and at the school that in the community where I grew up. So I grew up in the South Side. I am wow. a South Side Chicana. Okay, yeah. all right. And, all right. I mean, I'm an East Side Chicano, but I think, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's okay. I think we can continue with the interview. I think it will be. Oh, right. absolutely! Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, and I have a, I have a lot of pride and love from where I uh, you know about who I am and where I come yeah. from and where my students come from and yeah. their identities and honoring that. And so uh, I would teach in Lakesh at the beginning of every year, and yeah. we would name our spaces after four uh, major streets that surround our schools oh that's because, cool because those streets are really what encompass what hug our community yeah and so, so like, when you say you know, name our spaces what do you mean by yeah. that so, how, so how we have that? yeah we have a so we have space that is named federal okay federal we have mississippi yep. we have santa fe yep. and uh we also have sorry i'm thinking right now off the top of my head alameda yeah. Oh, yeah. So like, so we, uh, we have group group names and they're all, and they're so yeah. cool. You know, they're always like, yeah, I'm on team feds today, That's you know, cool. and it's just, it's something that they really like and, and connect with because, um, you know, these are the major streets that surround us and the yeah. ones where that hold, you know, our local businesses and where yeah. we shop and where we grow yeah. up and where we hang out. Yeah. Um, so when I was thinking about that, I really wanted to to bring that into my room and really wanted to, to teach in Lakesh and, and start off our year, you know, just really telling the students and showing the students how we would engage with the work and how mm. that would help us better engage with our community. 
yeah. and with ourselves, really. Yeah. I, that's so. As you know, being a public school teacher means mm-hmm. a lot of um, a lot of kind of co-opting of of phrases and you know practices and ideas and that kind of thing. So you know, you see this with all the. All teachers are abolitionists now, right? We're all abolitionists um, without a real deep understanding of what an abolitionist pedagogy really is. And I have that fear because I'm seeing in Lakesh, like kind of emerging in a lot of different spaces. And on the one hand, I think that's really beautiful. But on the other hand, it just kind of almost feels like a box for some folks to check. And uh, the way you just articulated it, like saying that, tu eres mi otro yo, right? Like we are bound up together that... um, that that the way that I elevate you is how I elevate myself and all of these different kind of community focused ideas, but also the physical act of saying we are the space that we live in also and that these streets have a different meaning uh, for us than maybe they do from, you know, to somebody who doesn't live in this neighborhood. And yeah. so I love that physical manifestation of what In La Cache really is about. And that is that we are not separate from where we come from. We are not separate from the physical space that we inhabit. And in fact, like the more bound up we allow ourselves to be with where we're from, the the more uh, spiritually whole we become. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's amazing. So when we come, uh, when we come back uh, in the next segment, I uh, want to hear a little bit about the creation of In Lakesh, uh, your experience doing that. And you've got some like big stuff coming that's, uh, that's super exciting. Um, but we're going to pay some bills and we will be back in just a moment. We are deeply grateful for all your support these last few years, your engagement on social media, your downloads, and your enthusiasm have kept us going since we started this two dope adventure nearly five years ago. Right, Kev? Yes. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your ongoing support of the content that remixes the conversation about race, power, and education. We have big hopes and dreams that you have inspired. And with your support, those dreams begin to take shape in reality. In the coming weeks, you will learn about projects that we can now go forward with because you stepped up. Yeah, we're so happy. Of course, we still have numerous projects filed away that are awaiting your support. You can support these projects by visiting patreon.com slash 2DopeTeachers. Patrons who join at the 2Dope level get a 2Dope Nation sticker. And what's better than stickers? Um, it's designed by local uh, artist Sham. And for a limited time, limited time, the next five 2Dope patrons will get a copy of Cornelius Miner's book, We Got This. What? What a deal. Hey, that is. And it's signed. And That's it's signed. right. And it's signed. Patrons will enjoy special access to us in the form of Ask Me Anything threads, throwback old episodes, occasional Zoom meetings, and sneak previews to upcoming work and public appearances. Our upcoming podcast series, The Exit Interview, featuring the brilliant Asia Lions, which highlights the stories of Black teachers who are forced out of teaching, is only possible because of our patrons. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be so dope. So we asked and you responded. We look forward to growing and learning with you. Let's remix this conversation on race, power, and education. What up, y'all? Cerardo, I'm back, and I'm here with Mariana Lucero, who has shared some amazing uh, just stories of her upbringing and her background. Uh, you know, just as an aside, you know, when I think about, when I reflect on what you have shared in this conversation about your upbringing, about what's important to you, about how um, your your mom and your roots really influenced you, it's just such a powerful reminder of how important um, teachers of color are because we do show up as our whole selves into the profession and into our work with youth and community. So just thank you for just sharing all this stuff um, that you have. Um, 
Next question I want to kind of get into, and I want to get really into this decision to create in Lakesh. Um, I was telling you, uh, you know, during the break that when I sort of look at the work that you're doing and I look at the lack of representation and place that I felt as uh, as a kid who was doing a lot of high school theater, like I feel like I have to pinch myself. This doesn't seem real to me. It's it's the it feels like the type of creative arts initiative that teenage Gerardo would have just jumped on and just would have been so excited about. And so in a lot of ways, I'm kind of reverting back to that moment in my life, like finding this thing that's amazing. So it, like, I just don't want you to underestimate how powerful this effort has been. So talk a little bit about what this, what made you decide to, you know, I want to do this besides just my uh, daytime job. And I want to expand this to a community effort and I want to put myself out there. Um, what, what, what a move, right? Um, so how, how has that experience been for you? Um, so I want to, first of all, I want to credit my students for In La Cash. Mm. In La Cash exists okay. because of them. Yeah. What was happening was that my students were transitioning into middle school and I would have former students come back and visit me at Goldrick and they would say, oh my gosh, miss, I, you know, I miss Goldrick so much, but at our schools, we don't even have, you know, dance, we don't have drama. And yeah. if we do, it's like not the same kind of drama and dance that we do here at Goldrick. Oh, interesting. And, and the drama and dance that we do at Goldrick is very specific to the needs of the community. Yeah. So I'm very much about creating works from scratch. So we devise everything. Wow. Uh, we've never once done a production of something that has already been written. Oh, that's so that goes from the beginning of me teaching there, like everything that has been created, even from our Dia de los Muertos celebration that we do yearly yeah. um, to our, our annual dance show, uh, which really, which really, we use that space and that creativity to raise awareness about social issues that are happening within our community and broader community, even the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we just really like, we grounded it in that and that's, that's what it has always been. Wow. So when my students left and transitioned into middle school, they saw that those opportunities were not there and they were coming back to tell me. And wow. not only were they coming back to tell me uh, about the lack of, um, opportunities, but they were telling me, you know, Lucero, you should like, it, can, can you teach like middle school? Can you teach like, well, they want to bring you with them. So they wanted me <laughs> to actually follow them to, yeah. you know, their different schools. Um, or they told me I should start a dance team outside of Goldrick, you know, so they could still wow. participate. And that's where the idea really started to come in. Cause yeah. I was thinking, well, how could I do this? At first it only started as like, oh, well maybe I will start an outside dance team. But then I was thinking about what could the potential of this really be? Not just having dance and drama, but really having dance and drama and music and the visual arts. And then I started thinking, how cool would it be and necessary it is for our students to see themselves and the people who are teaching them? And yeah. like you were talking about the lack of representation in the arts and yeah. teachers who look like us who are teaching them this content yeah. so then they can see themselves in this content, you know, and yeah. out there. Um, doing this work and becoming, um, you know, storytellers and filmmakers and playwrights and all and like artists to yeah. be taught by artists who are of color, who are already in our community doing yeah. that work. Yeah. And so that's where In La Cash was really born, the idea of it. Yeah. One thing that is really striking to me. So Kevin and I did a workshop at um, at the Thespian Educators Conference a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. um, where we sort of talked a little bit about representation. And Kevin's a musician, um, and I, I did theater. I write. Um, I've I thought I was going to be a rapper briefly. Um, I threatened my kids. I'll tell my kids that I'm like, you know what? If y'all don't do this, like, this is so disappointing. I should have been a rapper. Should have just been a rapper. Like, forget. <laughs> this. Um, yes. But but it is interesting how many of um, the children in our community, black and brown kids, um, like they they know all about artists and they have music that they love and they have movies that they love. And oftentimes they don't make the connection. It's like, well, you know, that is a brown kid who did theater. <laughs> like that's a brown kid who's an artist, like, and they're not that different from you. And so that's a really interesting thing. I'm really intrigued by this, um, by this idea that uh, so much of, what the content that your that your students have performed has been created yeah. it's been incognito right that's kind of it, i think that's still the way that you know you do your own thing um first of all it's very agosto boal right 
um, <laughs> to kind of like have the theater of the people. Yeah. Um, is That strikes me as kind of a unique challenge as well. There's another layer to it because there's a layer of, yes, you have to be in front of people and performing and doing and putting your work out there one way or the other, but then you're also going to tell your own story. How How are you able to do that? How are you able to get elementary school kids like invested and engaged in executing this incredible process of just community art where they're doing their own stuff and not just getting things you have to pay royalties for. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I think that that's really giving them, you know, showing them that they have the platform to do that because a lot of the times, you know, we do just give them scripts or something mm -hmm. to read off of. And that's great. You know, that's great for practice and, you know, to engage in storytelling. But the truth of the matter is that storytelling is in our blood. It's ancestral. Right. That's it right. is something that we grow up with. It is, it is stories that our, you know, our abuelitas and our abuelitos tell us. Yeah. It's stories that my mom told me, still tells me to this day while she's, you know, making enchiladas in the kitchen. Yeah. It's those brief moments of beautiful storytelling that can be expanded on. Yeah. And I think it's really getting them to see that they have storytelling in their blood and all around them. Yeah. And that these stories, that the more people can connect to them, that is how you get an audience to really listen to you wow. and really care about what you're saying, because you have a lot to say and you should have the space to say it. Yeah. And now let's bring that to life. Let's bring yeah. it to life in through dance, through, you know, through drama, through music, through poetry, however yeah. you want to bring it to life, but let's do that. Yeah. Um, and it's just showing them that they can, because I feel like a lot of the time, you know, we, we stifle our students. We, we don't, we don't give them that opportunity to really just share who they are and the things that they care about. Right. And with that, it's just, they, they also don't have a space to like, take in the information of what's happening around them in the world and to have a, like a safe place to talk about it and yeah. really engage with it and um, figure it out with their peers. Yeah. And when we provide that kind of space, so much happens yeah. and there's so many rich questions and conversation that come out of that. Yeah. And with that, the creativity and the storytelling. That that's amazing, you know, and and what you say is hundred percent true. It actually it makes me think of, um, you know, and you, you know the old uh, the old uh, Chicano documentary series, um, the one about the Chicano movement. It's like it's like, like I have it on four VHS tapes. Um, that's how old I am. Um, but there's a moment when Luis Valdez sort of talks about how when the workers began to play roles, especially when they played the role of the patron that it made them better organizers. It made them more in tune with the larger dynamics that they're contending with. And it actually sounds a lot like, you know, what you're just describing about sort of seeing yourself represented and representing yourself in these different spaces, uh, which is such a powerful thing. Um, so, um, so you did this, you, you started building in Lakesh through Moonshot. Is, do I have that right? How, yeah, through Moonshot Adventures. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how did you do that? And what's that experience been like for you? Oh, a whirlwind. Uh, and before <laughs> before we get to that, I actually did want to tell you that through oh, yeah. Teatro, I've gotten the opportunity to work with Danny Valdez, who is Luis I father. that might have been yeah. true. I'm like, there's some overlap. Yeah. There, One yeah. of my students, and it's probably mm -hmm. somebody that we know in common. One of my students actually uh, brought him for her senior seminar at my school years ago. And like, I love Danny. And I remember her saying to me, when you also, we're going to, you know, I'm, can you come to my senior seminar? It's this period at this time and you can bring your class and it's going to be uh, Daniel Valdez. I'm like, hold up, hold up. No, like I, I thought you said Daniel Valdez, <laughs> like, and I, I'm pretty sure I didn't hear that. She's like, oh, he was wonderful. How, how cool for you to work with him. Yeah, he actually, Man. so the first time I ever met him was in Silverton. Really? Yeah. What was he doing yeah. in Silverton? I mean, because, I can guess, but I'm gonna have you say it. <laughs> well, well, Tony, Tony Garcia was yeah. going to produce like a reading of Joaquin's Journey. Okay. Through uh through our theater group. Yeah. And I happened to be there, so Tony was like, "Mariana, oh, wow. what's up? What are you doing here?" And I was like, "I'm teaching kids." It's he's like, "It's so cool." So it was also the first time Tony got to see me working with students. Oh, and uh, he mentioned to me, he's like, you know, you're really good with them. And I was mm. like, oh, thank you. <laughs> um, but uh, I knew who Danny was. And I was just like, 
I want to be in one of his shows. He was going to put on a show called A Louis and Other post Pachuco Dreams. And I was like, I'm going to sing for this man. I'm going to sing for him by the end of the night. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and we did. I sat by him uh, and he had his guitarra and he was like, oh, do you sing? And I was like, I do. Why? He's like, what song do you want to sing? And he's like, just sing, start singing and I'll play along. And I was like, all right. So I started singing a song and he played along with me and he was like, I want you to be in my show. Oh man. Yeah. He's That's like, amazing. we're doing a show calling called a Louis and other post Pachuco dreams. Yeah. And I want you to be in it. And this is like your audition. So you're in. Did you I like, didn't take him seriously, though. So oh, I prepared funny. a monologue. Oh, really? like, I went okay. to the audition. <laughs> Tony was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> Daniel, already, Daniel already said that you're going to be in it. What you, you're what like, you oh, I thought he was kidding. <laughs> I thought he meant I would be in the auditions. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I didn't take it seriously. I was just like, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to audition. I'm going to really show that I deserve this. Yeah. And I showed up and he was like, Mariana, he's like, what, what are you doing here? You know, you're in. <laughs> And, and it was an incredible experience. Oh, cool. That's that's like a total like bucket list item for a lot of people. Like yeah. to actually, you know, engage an artist you admire and be like, hey, I got this thing I like to do. And then having them like just bring you on. Like how cool. That, Very exciting. That is really, that's mm -hmm. amazing. I'm like speechless. I did not know that was a thing. So um, <laughs> no, it's so cool. Uh, so so um, Moonshot Adventures and yes. the work that you've done with them, you described it as a whirlwind and, Absolutely. you know, just kind of watching you from a distance, um, you know, I started following you on the gram like pretty early on and um, and just seeing how quickly things have um, have moved for you. Like it, mm -hmm. it must be really dizzy. And what's that been like for you? Well, what's what's interesting is that I didn't know about Moonshot Adventures. I have a really good friend who I met through the three through the I'm pretty sure you know who he is. Yeah. Uh, and he's one of the founders of Rad. And he's also, which he um, also created through Moonshot. And he's also um, a part of the group, the Peacocks. So, oh, okay. okay. Um, yeah. And uh, I also got to briefly be in the Peacocks as well. They got to sing in that in that band <laughs> for a while. But they're so, Denver's so small. It we, really we is. That's so true. Ways. We really do. Um, but I saw that Yuzo was in Moonshot and I saw what he was doing, you know, through Facebook, yeah. um, where he was like creating his own like school. And yeah. I was like, whoa, what's this? Um, yeah. I want to know more. And so I, I went onto their website and I started looking at what their their fellowship was about. I saw that, it, you know, really worked with and encouraged underrepresented people within communities to um, build the skills and knowledge to create their own their own new and amazing places of learning. So wow. programs and schools. Yeah. I knew that I, I, I knew I felt like at the beginning, I was just like, I want to do a program. Yeah. But there were also parts of me that was like, I wish I could do a school because, you know, DSA, Denver School of the Arts. That's right. um, I had students who, you know, who wanted to go there, but it was also so far. It's yep. so far. It's um, far. And so yeah. I was thinking, well, we should have a DSA here. Yeah. Yes, there's a yes. Yeah. No, <laughs> but, I, know, so, uh, I just I, I then I really narrowed it down. Yeah, I think yeah, I really narrowed it down, and I thought I'll, I want to start a program. Yeah. Um. So yeah. I I filled out the application, and I was just like, you know, hopefully this happens. At the same time, I was filling out an application to go get my doctorate degree at UT okay. Austin. Oh wow! Okay. Mm hmm. And um, we went. We we went to UT Austin. My husband went with me, and uh, it was like incredible to be there in that space where it was just. I mean, the campus is ginormous, and I really, you know, wanted to get into their doctorate program. It was very difficult. Yeah. And um, I was thinking, am I ready to uproot my life and like mm -hmm. go do this thing? And I ended up not getting in. And oh, at the right. same time, I found out I got into Moonshot. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. That mixed emotions <laughs> indeed then, right? Like some super mixed emotions. <laughs> I feel like it was very clear, actually, when okay. I got into Moonshot, it was very much like creator was putting this opportunity in my, in my path. That's right. Because, you know, they know that this is what it was supposed to be. It was yeah. supposed to happen this way. Wow. That I didn't need to go get my doctorate. All the knowledge that I need is here within myself and my community 
Wow. The people who are organizing out here, the people who are already doing this work and want to partner with us, that is here. Yeah. My home is here. And I, I didn't want it to be any place else. So it made it very clear for me. That's incredible. Wow, that's incredible. And, you know, I think... So I've I've know a couple of other folks who have done um who've done moonshot fellowships and mm -hmm. it's just amazing that this is something that's out there that um folks can take brilliant ideas and kind of bring them to life um so that kind of leads into the next question um yes. oh but before that I I did want to comment um so you mentioned DSA and what's really interesting about the Denver School of the Arts um so my family is second generation going through that program. My sister was a musician um, at the original DSA back at with the one that started at Cole. And then um, my daughter is now a student at DSA and nice. you know, guess what they're fighting for? They're fighting for equitable access to the arts and to really try to um, you know, address the fact that, you know, uh, the school doesn't serve who um who it was initially intended to. And so seeing um, seeing the work that you're doing within Lakesh is pretty amazing. I think it's the kind of thing that um, is more desired than a lot of people want to admit. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. Um, so kind of in, in relation to the previous question, yeah. you've made this decision, big decision. I don't even want to say it. I kind of want you to say it. Like, what's the big decision you've made regarding in Lakesh? Um, I'm taking in Lakesh on full time. I yeah. <laughs> That's so amazing. <laughs> I'm officially going to be leaving Denver Public Schools at the end of this year to fully pursue in Lakesh and wow. to build this with my community and make it what our students deserve and have always deserved what our community deserves. Um, the time is now. There has been so many times, especially through the pandemic, that I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I feel tired. My mental yeah. health was just, you know, really suffering. Um, yeah. I wasn't sleeping. It was just so much. And the only thing that really kept me going was like, what in my cash is going to be for, for my community yeah. is worth it. And I will do anything to get it to that place. And my students are like the drive and the force behind that. Yeah. And I, I will never let them down. Like they are everything to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, absolutely everything to me. And so when I take on something and I make a promise to them, I fulfill that promise. Like wow. I, I'm honest with them through, you know, the trials and tribulations that we have to go through, but I tell them we will make it work. Yeah. And and that's that's how we take on any production too. Things yeah. fall apart, costumes rip, and my kids <laughs> are right. over here with like duct tape and you know pins. They're like, I got it, maestra, and they're <laughs> pinning it together and they're putting it together, and you know, and it's still it works. And that's that's what inspires me is is them. This is for them. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's such a courageous move. Yes. Like it's, I really want to um, shout you out because. To your point, nothing is guaranteed, and there there's no guarantee that um, that it's going to go in a, in a direction that that you would prefer. But mm -hmm. you know what I think is you know it just makes me think of that overused quote. <laughs> um, you know, in order to do to get to a place where you've never been before, you have to do things you've never done before. And you know, it's it's so hard for us as teachers. And when I say us, I probably mean me. Um, to kind of step away from that stability um, and that kind of predictability, right? It's kind of like, it may or be, may not be why I've made it 22 years where it's kind of like, uh, yeah, but it's nice to be stable, but that comes at a price. And it, and it yep. sounds like you have recognized that price, but that it, it just feels like the next, next logical step in this work for you. Do I have that right? Yes. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. All of those things that you just said, like the kind of stability that my job offers and, you know, that predictability, um, as someone who deals with a lot of anxiety, yeah. um, throughout my whole life, I've had anxiety and depression. Yeah. Doing such a big move like this <laughs> is like, it freaks me out sometimes. And I really want to like shout out my partner, the love of my life, who is Isaac Lucero. Yeah, Isaac. Yes, he is everything. <laughs> I love this man. Um, he is my rock. He literally is my rock. And he shows me all the things that I'm capable of by like really helping me recognize my inner strength and my potential. 
Wow. So it's, it's so, it's so funny, you know, because I, I do that for my students, yeah. but it's so hard to do that for myself. <laughs> I was just having this exact conversation with, um, with a, with a friend of mine about how, how is it that we are able to gas up the kids? Like, no. And, and it's always authentic and it's always mm-hmm. you know, like, like we see the beauty in who they are. And I, I think that you and I are of like mind in this way. Like, I actually think that a hundred percent of children are exactly the humans that they are supposed to be. And it's, mm-hmm the skills and the behaviors and the problem solving and the addressing real life situations that they need our help with, but they don't need us to change them as people. And, and, you know, and yet I struggle to say that to myself, you're actually who you're supposed to be. That's still something that's tough for me. And so that, that's such a resonant thing that you just said. Um, How, uh, you know, what, what has it, you know, I kind of want to get deeper into that point too. You mentioned yeah. the love of your life, having a partner that is 200% invested in, in what you're doing and what you're about. The passion that you have is really obvious. And a lot of people don't know this, but the word passion is rooted in the Greek word for pain. Um, and that means to love somebody, something, and to be so dedicated to something that it actually hurts a little bit because you yes. are willing to just kind of, uh, you know, but it takes a lot of um, self-confidence and self-belief to take all of these steps that you've taken. Um, what's it taken for you to kind of believe in what you're doing and, um, and to really just be able to look in the mirror and say, you got this, you know, this is definitely your thing. Um, I definitely want to shout out Moonshot for this. Mm. Um, I was a part of this incredible cohort of, you know, people um, who just had these beautiful dreams and ideas of bringing, bringing the kind of education and opportunities for our students that they've always deserved. And I'd never been in a cohort that was just like, literally reflective of the communities that they serve. I mean, anytime I'm in a space, I feel like it's a very white space. And that I'm just like there, you know, I'm just like plopped in there. Well, when you think about like the arts and you think about education Mm -hmm. and like those are two places that it's not that everybody who does those things is white. It's that the people who dominate those spaces are white. Yeah. And those places, those people run those, those spaces. So like, they're the ones who are like inviting the speakers and, you know, creating those spaces. And with Moonshot, it was, it was very intentional to have us working together and to have us feeding off of each other's energy and inspiring one another and getting to know each other. We did a lot of identity work as well as building our knowledge and skill and trying to become, you know, the the best leaders that we can be and also building our entrepreneurial skills. I never saw myself as this kind of person. You know, I'm I'm a teacher in a classroom. That's what I do. That's what I'm good at. And they were over here like, no, Mariana, yes, you can do this. But because you are really good at being in a classroom and doing that, you have naturally acquired these other skills that will help you get to this, you know, that will help you get to in like cash. Um, And so I just, I really want to shout out my cohort cohort um, because they, they were there for me. They saw me fall apart, fall to pieces. They were there picking me up and telling me like, no, <laughs> you're not going to do this. You are going to, you're going to make it out of this and you're going to go so far and we're right there supporting you. And we want to be partnering with you when it happens. They weren't telling me if it happens, they were saying when and, it happens. Wow, wow. And that was, you know, the kind of language that I really needed to hear That's right. because I'm such an if person. Yep. I'm like, well, if it does go down or if, and if it doesn't, <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm like that. And, and they were like, no, when this is happening, there's no going back, Mariana. In La Cash is going to happen. So let's go forward together. And I'd never been a part of a community that was like that. Um, and just we celebrated one another constantly. We still do. Like I keep in touch with all of my cohort and yeah. I'm getting to know the new cohorts that are coming in. And we're Moonshot is a big family and a huge reason as to why I'm talking to you right now about yeah. In La Cash. Yeah. yeah. Um, and my, you know, my community really backing me up. I've, I've built partnerships with um, D3 Arts, um, Tanya Moat from the Teatro, who's been such an incredible mentor, Santiago Jaramillo, you know, um, who are these people who have just been like really there and supportive and like reaching out and saying, I want to help. How do I help you? 
Um, I want In La Keshe to happen. So how do we partner? How do I help you with your grant writing? How can you be a part of um, Opportunity, this event that's coming up? And it's not just like, it's, it's just literally presenting opportunities for me that I'm just like, I can't say no, this is so great. And through that, we've been building more partnerships. Um, Right now we're partnering with the Colorado Have a Dream Foundation. So we've been providing virtual arts programming, um, uh, virtual arts programming for Strive Prep Ruby Hill and Strive Prep Federal. And uh, I've also been able to invite, you know, my Goldrick kids into Mm -hmm. it too. Oh, that's great. And my cash piloting. Yeah, so they know. Um, and also we got a partnership with the Westminster Boys and Girls Club that we're, we're providing virtual arts programming. And I had the American Indian Academy of Denver just reach out to me nah. literally like this week saying that they want to partner with us. That's the amazing. need is there. The yeah. need is very obvious. Yep. And I want to partner. The thing about in my cash and that I want to make very clear is that my my hope is to always put out there and to always really stand true in the fact that there are already people in our community and wonderful organizations within our communities led by people of color that are already yeah. doing this work. Yeah. And I want to partner with y'all. Yeah. I want to see how we can help further your mission through the arts. Wow. Like how can we help do that for one another and, wow. and just really build, you know, like a, a connection with one another. And just because, you know, this is an organization that may not have, you know, much to do with the arts or nothing to do with the arts at all. How can I help? How can our children help further your mission to better our community through the arts? There's always a way. I'm starting to think about it. I'm starting to think about it. I'm like, wow, how could, (laughs) but (laughs) that, Oh man, I, I have to like take a breath that that is so inspirational and just so amazing to think to think about how it, it is bigger than just an arts program. It's a community advocacy organization. It's a, it's it's identity formation. It's conceptualizing uh, black and brown children, particularly in Southwest Denver, as full humans. Like, how do we become fully human? Well, we become fully human by exploring all the aspects of what we are capable of and where creativity actually does matter, which is kind of everywhere, right? Especially, you know, I think that's been a thing over the last year with the pandemic that it's it's being laid, now a lot of us already knew this, but it's being laid bare for us that the way we've always done things is just not sufficient. And the structures and systems we have in place, we're not, we're ill-prepared for the trauma that our planet was about to experience. And so the more we can kind of engage in our full humanness, um, the, the better off that we're going to be both as individuals and in our communities. That's amazing. Um, I've got a very critical question as we kind of like uh, come down. This is, this is a big one. Um, the big, big yes. question, the big one is who are your top five rappers or performing artists? So there's a couple of ways you can approach this. First of all, and, and if Kevin was here, Kevin would tell you that there are no rules. Um, they can be your top five ever. They can be your top five today. They can be non-hierarchical. They can be groups. Um, I like to also encourage people to apply the Eric Hale rule, uh, which is uh, he's the Texas Teacher of the Year. Um, I think he managed to squeeze a top five and then 10 more into his top five. And so we don't even know how many Eric had in his list, but he had all these caveats. So he had three-way ties for third, five-way ties for fourth, all that kind of stuff. So really, it's entirely up to you. And it doesn't even have to be rappers. It can just be artists that you are feeling right now. So are you ready for this question, Mariana Lucero of In La Quiche? Yes, I'm so ready. All right. I'm ready too. <laughs> I'm ready too. What you got? <laughs> okay. So, you know, what was really funny is that I was, I was thinking about this question and um, I listened to so, and I know that might sound tacky or kind of like, <laughs> uh, that's not true. Uh, I listen to a lot of different music, yo. Like I, I li- do. Like, okay. <laughs> like my musical tastes are really eclectic. <laughs> <laughs> but they are though, you know, they yeah. are. Um, and the reasoning behind that, you know, is because I have strong cultural roots mm-hmm. in Mexican music. Yeah. Um, my mom brought me up listening to um, 92.1. That's what that was what I listened to growing up. So um, when I think about artists that like really influenced me, a lot of them are Mexican. 
Yeah. Um, and a lot of them are, I listen to a lot of cumbia. Yeah. So like, oh. Yeah, I do. I also listen to a lot of all and grunge music. Yep, there you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, my husband, who is an absolute hip hop head, like yeah. he he would be able to be like, it's this, 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 this. this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Because that's how he is. But me, yeah. I'm like a scrambled brain. So I yep. have a bunch of things. Yeah. Um, I well, that's kind of say... a that's kind of a function of being a person from like Gloria Antaldua talks about being from a frontera, right? Mm -hmm. There are a lot of different things. There are a lot of different spaces that our rasa kind of inhabits. And so why would that not translate to uh, to our arts interest? Absolutely. So I'm going to be one of those ones who you're probably like, this is way more than five, Mariana. It's and all good. I'm There's sorry. no rule. There's no rules. <laughs> so uh, I started listening to A Tribe Called Quest a lot when I lived in Silverton. Love it. And uh, that's like mine and my sweethearts like group. We we yeah. love Tribe. Love we Tribe. We got to see Tribe when they performed here at Red Rocks and we were front row. Wow. Uh, it, yeah, it was so amazing. Uh, so, uh, and we got to see Fife too when Fife yeah. came here to play his uh, show in Cervantes. I yeah. want tickets for that. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. I, I saw so we I got to see him at um at the Fillmore. Um nice. so, so they played at the Fillmore and like yeah. I didn't even remember that I'd been to that show until you mentioned. I'm like, oh yeah, because he was complaining about how he couldn't breathe. Yeah, <laughs> about the breathe. altitude. Uh -huh, the altitude for <laughs> yeah. sure. Uh, he was having us rap all the lyrics and I looked at Isaac. I'm like, I want to hear five rap, not five. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, five is not five so, is Yep. Yeah, but I saw Fife and I got to see uh, Q-Tip at City oh. Hall. He played like he did like a DJ set, and Q-Tip oh, is just oh. hard eyes. I oh, love, oh, I love Q-Tip. I love his flow. Yeah. Um, he inspired a lot of poetry that I've written. Like I just, I, I love, I love his flow, I, and I really like look up to, to him as a producer, like as a lyricist. He's mm -hmm. just been incredible. Brilliant. Movie that I really brilliant. love to. So Absolutely tribe. Brilliant. Yep, sure. love, love it. Um, on the other side of that, I told you I listen to a lot of Mexican music. I listen to a lot of cumbia. Fito yep. Olivares is someone who I grew yes. up with. Yes. Oh, uh -huh. wow. First appearance <laughs> in a top five. Love it. Hey, Fito Olivares. Um, Tropicalismo Apache is like another amazing cumbia group that yep. my mom and I just like love, love, love. Yep. Um, with that, Los Tigres del Norte, like yes. that's another group that I grew up with, Mana. Like, oh, this is a, my yeah. goodness. This is, Sonora. Oh, oh. Sonora I'm overwhelmed. This is too much. <laughs> okay, I'm about to take it way back now. So, yes, Los Temerarios. Yep. Los Caminantes. Los Caminantes, yes. Some really, really awesome uh, romantic, because my mom likes romantic music. Roberto oh, Carlos, Emmanuel, Jose Jose. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, those are the, you know, that's the kind of music that I grew up with. Now, yeah. on the other side of that, I love EDM music. My favorite yeah. DJ, Cascade, and like, yeah. I love grunge. So I, I listen to a lot of Soundgarden and yep. like Nirvana, um, Allison Chains, Santa nice. Pilots. And then uh, I really like the Sneaker Pimps, too. Okay. All right. That's a, that's a new one for me. My, my uh, little sister, my little sister, like is going to be jumping up and down at the second half of your list, especially. So, yes. yeah. All right. So you got the sneaker pimps. I love the sneaker pimps. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna let you Absolutely. keep on going. I feel like there's a lot of music that, that you just have to unload right now. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's just so much, you know, uh, I listen to a lot of EDM when I have to write a paper. Yeah. Okay. And I feel like I'm always in school. Like I'm in school right now, actually at Red Rocks Community College. I'm okay. doing my certificate in nonprofit management. Oh, nice. So when I have to write a paper, um, when I had to write them during my master's program, it wow. was like EDM. Yep. You know, Tiesto helped me get through so many papers that I had yeah. to write, <laughs> yeah. literally. When you just yeah. listen to that music playing and I'm just like, okay, I can focus, I can write, you know, and there's no lyrics. So yeah. um, if I'm getting, you know, ready for an event or I'm getting hyped up to go perform, I listen to a lot of cumbia. Yeah. Um, I like to listen to a lot of rock. Like I said, alt rock. Uh, yeah. It really just depends on like my mood, but yeah. Yeah. I do, I do listen to everything. I don't listen to country. <laughs> That's something I can't get into yeah i used um, to say that uh I, you know for me for me for me there's always a johnny cash exception oh yeah um, of course johnny, you know, cash. johnny tells great stories um i actually wrote a wrote a paper in college you know compare like it was for a poetry class comparing the the music of uh johnny cash and Pac. And um, I don't know if the professor really took it seriously, but they were a liberal, so they like felt, felt like they couldn't say that it was bad. Um, and of course, Garth, of course, Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks. Um, yeah, Garth with his with his friends in low places. I can I can definitely relate to that. <laughs> 
Oh man, that that is a that's a that's a fire top five. And even though it's not like five, so, like, I know it's not five. I'm gonna so call it five. No, I mean, yeah. I mean that's the thing. And I think I think that if you were a person whose skills were to stay within the guidelines and the boundaries mm-hmm. of things, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Like, oh, I do need to sprinkle in some psychobilly because I do listen to psychobilly, and I, I don't even know what Tiger that is. Army, Tiger Hold Army, on. and the horror pops. Hold I up, I don't even know what that is. Psychobilly. Yeah, it's like a. Okay, now I feel old, Mariana. Now you got me old. <laughs> it, it's okay. So it's like a meld of like rock and country and rockabilly, really. Okay. So um, think of like Johnny Cash um, yeah. times a million, like okay. energy level. <laughs> okay. And you have psychobilly, and I just I love it. Yeah. Oh yeah, I am going. I have discovered a new genre of music and I'm going to be looking for it because I'm, I'm like you. I love all music. Like I think yeah. I think I'm primarily a hip hop head because hip hop helped, helped me overcome my stutter and then hip hop helped me to carry myself as a little bit bigger than I traditionally see myself. Um, so like on the inside, I'm like, I don't deserve any of this attention on the outside. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I did it. Yeah, I said it. This is who I am, you know? And so having both of those things is really interesting. Uh, I used when I taught second grade because I didn't always teach uh, drama and dance. I taught right. second grade for my first year and I used a tribe called Quest to help, you know, teach fluency to my students. Oh, love it. What, what tracks? Yeah. What tracks? Uh, let me see if I can. Can I kick it? We used Can I Kick It? Yeah. Can I Kick It's great. I, I use Can I Kick It. And to- we performed it at the talent show. Yo, oh my goodness. That is amazing. I used to use Can I Kick? I think somewhere I have the recording. I actually do. That'd be so great. <laughs> I mean, we'd love to see that posted. Um, I used to use Can I Kick It to um to get my sixth graders' attention. So it'd be this call and response, like, you know, can, can I kick uh, it? Meaning can I start class? And they'd be like, Yes, you can. It was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that. <laughs> yep. Well, um, Mariana Lucero, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you today and to just hear your story and to get to know you a little bit better. Um, I, I can tell you, you have the Tudo endorsement um, for your continuing work with in La Keshe and in, in, your, in our communities, um, really powerful. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what you're working on right now um, and how can folks support you, follow you, track what's happening with you and in La Keshe. Um, how can people kind of get on the bandwagon and, um, and really, uh, and really just feed off the excitement that you have for this work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we are going to be doing an event that we're partnering with uh, D3 Arts, and uh, it's going to be a Cinco de Mayo celebration that's happening oh. in Westwood. Um, that's going to be May 1st. Okay. So you're going to keep an eye out for that because there's going to be an official, like, um, they're going to officially spread the word very, very soon about that happening. And we're going to be providing some folklorico dancing as well as uh, a piñata making station. So if you would like to come down and build some piñatas with our resident artist, Lilian Lara, she will be there and making piñatas with the children. Um, And then uh, we also are going to be putting on our second summer camp called Puppets at the Parque Part 2. Okay. And uh, where we use uh, the art of puppetry to retell indigenous stories wow. and stories about social issues also that our communities are facing and also stories about celebration and identity and who we are. As and what age is that for? Uh, so it's fifth through eighth grade. Okay. That's what our, our camp is, is going to be for this year. We're going to see if we're actually going to host it at Houston Lake again, or yeah. if we're going to move it to Garfield. We're also, we are partnering with uh, the Chicano Puppet Theater on this and the Confluence Center. There's a Chicano Puppet Theater? I did not know oh there was gosh, a Chicano yes. Puppet Theater. What? <laughs> yes, this is a Chicano Puppet Theater. Uh, I want to shout out Xochimilco Corona. Uh, for partnering with us last year on this. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, she's someone who you definitely like want to talk to. And yeah. her mother founded the Chicano Puppet Theater and like this this art that she has been a part of since she was a child. Literally like her wow. mom her mom would do radio shows um and use puppetry to, you know, really inform the community on social issues and also like teach puppets to 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 kids in the community. Oh, and that was here oh, in Denver. Wow. So 
she's bringing it back. She has brought it back. It's beautiful. And uh, we partnered with her last year and we're going to do it again. So these kids really, you know, they get their hands dirty. They make their own puppets. And uh, one of the, one of the most beautiful, amazing things when I bought the materials for these puppets was going to buy the paint that we needed. um, And like purchasing all of these wonderful hues of Brown. Wow. I mean, wow. Because we're telling stories about our people and our gente and, and I've, it was just something that was kind of surreal to me because even when I did theater, you know, like our stories were not put in the forefront and I had to go searching for that. And I'm so glad that I found Su Teatro because that was the space that I really saw myself in wow. and it empowered me to be like, I can go out here in my community and, and do this with my students yeah. and, and really build something with them. So, yeah. Wow. It's what a beautiful way to end. And and it's in, so it's interesting. And I think this has been um, one of the reasons this, is a, this has been such a wonderful conversation is that, you know, I kind of came in, you know, thinking like, oh, there's this thing that this person created. But what you've done is, yes, you have created something, but it's rooted in tradition and it's rooted in community and rooted in the teachings that you've gained from other folks. And I, I just think that that's to me, that's the, you know, my, my friend Zainab talks about how um, the highest level of human behavior is actually not independence, it's interdependence. And I think you really represent um, that sense of what we do together as a community. Um, Mariana, thank you for thank joining you. me today on this conversation. It's been super fun. Um, can't wait to see what happens next and can't wait to see just kind of um, where this goes. It, it really seems like the sky is the limit. And uh, and we really do wish you um, all the good fortune and all the blessings um, that you need to, to really bring this to all the kids that we can. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super honored to share this space with y'all. And follow In La Cache Denver Arts on Facebook and on Instagram. Uh, You can keep up on on all the happenings. one point you were a um a student mariana lucero mm-hmm. what behaviors did you have in school that may have been a problem in adult mariana lucero's classroom um well i, I definitely would arrive late <laughs> and it wasn't just me it was like the whole plethora of my friends so we would come in together and it was just like we were loud That's and obnoxious amazing. and then sat down and kept on with like our gossip and everything and so I know for sure that that would definitely get me in trouble now (laughs) so it what would this be like middle school high school what middle school for sure middle school um definitely middle school (laughs) (laughs) and and in high school too uh but in high school more because I met my husband in high school school yeah Uh, and so I would always go late to class because I was hanging out with him in the hallway before he went to calculus and I went to French class. That's amazing. So um, how how would adult Mariana respond to that? Now? Yeah, how do you think you respond to yourself? It is a really weird like thing yeah. to think about, but... <laughs> it's so funny because now that I'm a teacher and I've been a teacher for so long, yeah. it's like um, a big thing with that I value with my students is like building that strong relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And of course, like we all, we all do things where we're like, you know, not on time or anything like that. And right. uh, I just want to like, I, I guess what I would do is be like, y'all are late. Like, come on, you know, we start on this time. What are you doing yep. <laughs> we have to begin our class? And you're over here coming late with like 10 of your friends. <laughs> you know, y'all just come in and uh, making your noise and you're not like, <laughs> not even noticing there's a class going on right now yeah that's yeah (laughs) but what's what's funny too is that like I already know I build that kind of rapport with my students where I already know how they would react to that Mm -hmm. or they would be like oh I'm sorry miss you know we were doing (laughs) this and this and oh it won't happen next time and and uh and that's how it would go on but uh it's so funny because like I love this question because it's because it really does make you reflect and I think the um I think the most important thing that an educator can do is think about 
well, okay, what were my imperfections and how would I want an adult to deal with that? Yeah, I mean, you know, this may shock you. I talked way too much. Like I never stopped talking. Like I would talk to anybody. Like you move me across the room, I'm either going to yell across the room at my friend or I'm just going to make friends with the people over there. Like yeah. it's it's just <laughs> one of those things. And I think as a teacher, I would be if I had young Hera in my class, I, I would be really uncomfortable with that in some ways, but also really excited because on the one hand, I really think students need to be speaking their minds and we need to give them space to just unpack what they're thinking about and how they're dealing with this world. On the other hand, I, I'm really sensitive to the kids who might want to contribute, but there's this kid that just takes up all the space. Um, and so I think I would be like, hey, Hera, man, you do a great job, like, you know, really expressing yourself. I wonder if you could use some of those powers to get other people like expressing yourselves. And of course, young head, I would probably be a little bit offended by that and be like, why? Like I, my ideas are dope. <laughs> like, why do I want to hear others? Um, but it is interesting to think about. And um, obviously as an educator now, uh, you, you clearly have a sense of empathy and a sense of understanding that's really important. So, all right, good stuff.